Hi, welcome to Positively Positive. I go by Sam and I have genital herpes HSV2. Today we're talking about what exactly the herpes simplex virus is, how it works, and just how common it really is. I do have more in-depth episodes on specific aspects of the virus like testing, transmission, treatment, and many other aspects of the virus, but today we're just going to do a crash course on the basics and hopefully leave you with an easy understanding of what herpes is. So without further ado, let's talk about herpes, baby. HSV stands for herpes simplex virus. So whether or not I say herpes or HSV, it's the same thing. There are two types of HSV, HSV1 and HSV2. While there are some small differences, Genetically, they are viral twins, and at the end of the day, herpes is herpes. This virus does not live in our blood, and it is not transmitted through any bodily fluid. It is spread through skin-to-skin contact. Herpes is a virus of the nervous system. It expresses itself with symptoms on the skin. You may have heard or read that herpes is just a skin condition. This is not technically correct. It's a virus of the nervous system. Herpes lives and hides in our nerve ganglia. When it comes out of hiding, it may cause outbreaks on the skin and sometimes other symptoms that may or may not include swollen lymph nodes, burning and itching, and feeling like you have the flu. So yeah, a skin condition is most definitely part of it. For lots of people, it's the only part of it, but it's not what it is scientifically or medically. So, how common is herpes? Approximately two-thirds of the global population carries at least one type of herpes. Well over half of all people carry HSV-1, and one in four to six people carry HSV-2. Because testing for herpes is not regulated, these numbers are actually quite conservative because most carriers of the virus are unaccounted for. 80% of all people that carry herpes never show symptoms or experience outbreaks. They have no idea they carry it, are potentially passing it on, and have not been tested for it. When you ask your doctor to be tested for everything regarding STIs and STDs, herpes is not included. Herpes is not tested for through urine. Herpes is tested through swabs of outbreaks and antibodies in our blood. More on that in my testing episode. Well, that sounds like a lot of people. Yeah, if you don't carry herpes, you're actually in the minority. You don't show symptoms? Yeah, that's normal. Herpes for 80% of carriers just likes to chill hidden in that nerve ganglia. If you're in the 20% that have experienced symptoms, welcome to the club, me too, let's get jackets. Herpes is in the same family of viruses that causes chickenpox, mononucleosis, aka mono, the kissing disease, shingles, and several others. There are actually over 100 herpes viruses, but only eight, possibly nine, I always see conflicting numbers, eight and nine, but only these eight or nine affect us humans. Sweet, eight out of over 100, pretty good. And those ones I mentioned don't sound all that scary. Most of us have had chickenpox, 
whose scientific name is actually Human Herpes Virus 3 HHV3. Most of us have had the real crappy flu-like infection that is mono. And shingles is awful, but we've all heard of it and probably know someone who's been through it. Let's talk about cold sores. Cold sores are caused by the herpes simplex virus. You can call them fever blisters or whatever else you want, but cold sores are herpes. If you're debating this point with someone who is insisting you're wrong, well, <laughs> you can't fight with a brick wall, and my only suggestion for you is to tell them to Google it for themselves. If you are the person who doesn't consider cold sores herpes, you're misinformed, it is herpes simplex virus, and it's totally fine. And yes, it is the same virus as genital herpes. So let's talk about location. I mentioned there were two types, HSV1 and HSV2. Either type can be in either location, orally or genitally. This is a proven scientific fact. Actually, herpes type 1 and 2 can be anywhere on your body, but that's a lot less common, and right now I just want to focus on how herpes affects the majority, and that is orally or genitally. So, back to those cold sores on the face. It is most common for oral herpes outbreaks to be caused by HSV-1. Most people actually acquire HSV-1 as children long before any sexual contact. Herpes is spread through skin-to-skin -skin contact, and most people just get it from a family member with a current cold sore or a family member who regularly experiences cold sores, even if they don't have a current one, who gives them a kiss as a child. So, if you have cold sores, it's probably HSV-1. But, as either type can be in either location, HSV-2 can also cause cold sores. Now this is less common, HSV-2 is thought to prefer the genital location, and when it is contracted orally, it doesn't cause outbreaks nearly as often. I should mention that studies on HSV-2 orally are a bit slim and there's less information on it, but it definitely does happen. So, we know all about oral herpes. Let's get to genital herpes. Much to many people's surprise and the criminal lack of education and public awareness surrounding herpes, genital herpes can be caused by HSV-1, that thing you contracted as a child. This happens through many people's favorite activity, oral sex. Herpes can be passed on even if you do not have a current cold sore. Herpes lives in our nervous system, and when it does come out to the surface of the skin, it does one of two things. It either causes an outbreak, or it silently sheds with no symptoms. This is called asymptomatic viral shedding. More on this in my transmission and prevention episode, but the basic idea is that it can be passed on to another person at this time with no symptoms, no outbreaks, and no way of telling it's there. This is why herpes is so common on planet Earth. Over half of all new genital herpes cases are caused by HSV-1. My genital herpes is HSV-2 which is the type that is said to like staying downstairs in the genital region. HSV-2 is said to be the stronger type and causes genital outbreaks more often. 
it adapted to be able to infect people who already had HSV-1. Viruses are competitive little twats, and they adapt to get what they want, new hosts. This is part of the reason there's a new flu vaccine every fall and winter. That being said, after the first six months or year of having genital herpes, most people experience outbreaks way less often and the symptoms are milder and much easier to manage. The first herpes outbreak is most always the worst, and if you're listening during your primary outbreak, I feel you and it gets better, okay? You gotta trust me. Our bodies take time adjusting to any new virus, and once our antibodies are developed, the body can take care of itself pretty well. The exception to this would be if you are someone who is immunocompromised and you already have pre-existing immune system disorders. This is not the majority of us, and if it is the case for you, I imagine you already have a team of doctors behind you, and you know or are learning about what the best options for you are. It's not something I can speak from experience on, so I won't. Another point I want to mention is that many people carry HSV-1 and HSV-2. Just because you carry one type does not mean you cannot get the other. You can have one or both types in the same location. You can have one type orally and the other type genitally. You can just have one type in one location. We know that herpes lives in nerve ganglia, so let's talk about that and what that means for outbreaks and shedding. If you have genital herpes, the virus is living in the nerve ganglia at the base of your spine. This is its home. Home is connected to many nerve pathways. Let's think of them as sidewalks from the front door. Herpes can take any of those sidewalks to come up to the skin again. It does like to take the same sidewalk out and back home, and many people have outbreaks and shed in the same spot they initially contracted the virus and initially had an outbreak. But sometimes herpes gets curious and adventurous and takes a different sidewalk. But the sidewalks are limited. There are only so many nerve pathways, aka sidewalks, herpes has to choose from. For genital herpes, these nerve pathways connect us to the part of our bodies below the belly button. The pathways do not go above the belly button. So, if you only have genital herpes, you won't be getting cold sores. The virus can't fly around inside your body willy-nilly and come out wherever it wants. It has limitations. Now, this does mean that you could get a genital herpes outbreak on your actual genitals when you contract it, and then a couple months later, you get one on your butt or on the inner thigh. That's normal. It's the same infection. It is what it is. Now, if you only carry oral herpes, the virus is living in the nerve ganglia near the top of our spines, kind of behind our cheekbones. Technically, it's called the trigeminal nerve. It's a tricky spot, but that's its home. The sidewalks from that door lead to the skin on our face and head. So that's where outbreaks occur, if you're in the 20% of carriers who actually has outbreaks. Remember, even if you don't, you can still shed and pass on the virus from this location. So. Herpes has a home base. It cannot leave that home base. But 
you bet your bottom dollar it accepts visitors. This is how oral spreads to genital and vice versa. A non-carrier visits the base. Okay, this is starting to sound militant. Let's talk about blood. One of the many amazing, incredible things about our blood is that unlike herpes, blood does travel throughout our entire bodies. And remember what's in our blood, herpes antibodies. So over time, you are less likely to acquire a new herpes infection in a new location on your body because you already have the antibodies. So when herpes comes knocking in this new spot, your blood is like, hey, how about no? I'm ready this time. Kindly go back to your home. Thank you so much. Good day and goodbye. Now, because we are not perfect, and even though our blood is super awesome and vampires have wanted it bad for hundreds of thousands of years, getting a new herpes infection is not impossible. Our blood can slack off. So know that it can happen, but over time, the chances of that get less and less and less. Also keep in mind that when you contracted herpes, you may have contracted it in more than one place. If you had sex and received or performed oral sex with a herpes carrier, you may have gotten the virus in both places, orally and genitally at the same time. This is the same virus, but it is two different infections. And now herpes has two different homes with two different sets of sidewalk options to explore. If you want to learn more, you can check out a great slideshow and just lots of great information in general by visiting projectaccept.org. Some things I want to mention if you don't have time to listen to my other episodes right now. Herpes is not something that only sexually promiscuous people get. Herpes is not something that only dirty or irresponsible people get, and carrying the virus does not mean you are any of these things. Herpes can be spread without and with protection. Condoms do not completely eliminate the chance of transmission, although they do lower it. Penetrative sex is not required to spread herpes, especially oral herpes. That you can get from just kissing. Herpes is spread through skin-to-skin -skin contact. This means touching, kissing, rubbing, petting, or any activity involving the infected area and skin. There are many things we can do to lower the risk of transmission to almost nil. The main message of my entire podcast is that you can live a completely fulfilling life carrying the herpes virus. You are not alone. You are worthy of love, and you are definitely worthy of life. There is only one thing we can do on this earth to 100% protect ourselves from herpes simplex virus. And what's that, you ask? Well, never ever touch another human being ever. Welcome to the planet. Thanks for listening. Share this link with anyone you think would help, leave five-star reviews, and follow me on Instagram at Positively Positive Podcast. Check out the website, PositivelyPositivePodcast.com, for resources, tools, videos, and lots of amazing HSV content. If I've helped you and you'd like to say thanks, visit the support page for options, buy me a coffee, join the Patreon, or get yourself a Positively Positive sticker. 
If you just want to say hi, email me at positivelypositivepodcasts at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail on Anchor. I'm out here, okay? I keep my real name private for now, but keep listening because that changes and it will always be me reading all your messages. You are not alone. I'm living positively positive and you can too.